Welcome and hello. Um, it's hard to believe we're in our last week studying Ephesians, but here we are. And we decided to close out the semester with something easy, submission. <laughs> Ready? Um, submission to authority. And yes, in a, ro- a room full of women in the year 2023 in America, we are going to dare to go there. And actually, we're not just daring to go there. We feel pressed to go here with you. Um, and why? Why would we feel pressed to bring this topic before you? And simply put, um, because regardless of what our cultural context says, the Bible says submission matters. And if that's in the Bible, God wants your eyes around it. He wants your mind to consider what it means for you and for your heart and your life and for your heart to submit to his will and his authority. So... What is biblical submission? So before we get to biblical submission, we're going to just go through what is, what is submission that we know that we hear often in culture. And the dictionary says submission is the action or fact of accepting or yielding to the will of, an, of the authority of another person. That's culture. That's the dictionary. We're going to use the Bible as our truth. But before we go any further, I think it's wise that we talk about what submission is and what it's not. So submission to human authority does not mean that we're never involved in the decision-making process. In fact, respectful communication with our leaders about issues that are important um, and an important part of human nav- uh, navigating human relationships, regardless of your position, your title, your political affiliation, or anything else. Submission does not mean that we follow human authority when it clearly involves sin. Hopefully that's something that's clear. But just as the early disciples had to ignore the religious establishment's command to teach not to telling them not to teach about Jesus, there are times when following God requires rejecting sinful instructions by human authority. Submission does not mean that those who submit are less important. And I think that's one I want you to sit with for a minute because we are, again, a room full of women about to go through some context in the Bible that sometimes gets a little twisted and used in the wrong way. So let's sit with that. It does not mean that those who submit are less important, less intelligent, or less godly than those whom we are told to submit. Even Jesus was submissive to God's plans. This is um, from Philippians, and we'll go through more of it later. But who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if we can all agree, and I hope that we can, that we serve a God that is three parts. Jesus is just just as important as the Father. He still submitted to his will. So biblical submission is taking your divinely ordered place in a relationship. Divine from God. Submission can never be expected by one human of another. It can only be given on the basis of trust. That is to believe God's word and be willing to grow in relationships. Uh, In week four, we learned that a heart so submitted to God and surrendered to him says, your will, Lord, not mine. And that it's vital to a kingdom perspective. God asks us to take our divinely ordered place in the relationships we find ourselves in, and he asks that we yield authority of another position within the context of relationships as he's ordered them. The Bible is our authority for what that looks like. In other words, the Bible is our authority on authority. Pretty clear. Um, And I love what Kristen shared last week around authority, so we're going to revisit those verses from Hebrews 13, 17 in the Amplified 
Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning. Last week, we discussed the importance of being in a healthy circumstance under authority. And so with all that in mind, as we walk through this today, we're going to do so with the assumption that as we discuss the topic of submission, that we are working under a healthy authority. And I know that many of us have worked under authority figures who may not be that healthy, but we are gonna make that assumption because we're going for what God is looking as his ideal and what he gives us as instructions in the Bible and his plan. Okay, so our study around submission today is gonna begin in the verses that use marriage as a means to discuss submission and authority. So we're gonna call out the elephant in the room right now. I know not all of y'all are married. Not everyone that will sit under this teaching is married, but that doesn't mean that it's not for you. So I'll ask you to dive in with us anyway. And I don't say um, that to give those of us here that are not married permission to check out. Rather, to invite you to be brave enough to lean in just as much, if not more, than the sisters next to you who are married. Um, Pastor Rob, when he was speaking just just over a week ago um, in our family sermon, he said, um, whether this hits you or not, whether this is your circumstance or just something to be aware of, we hope you will be a repeater of the things that you hear. We also want this as a reference point or a way to shape your faith with those who might currently apply to. You probably have neighbors that are married if you're not, and your wisdom that you have can apply to their circumstance. Let's not decide that just because we don't have matching circumstances, we can't speak life into each other. Beyond that, um, this text pulls from the model of how Christ loves the church in a way that even if not our current circumstance, it shows us a context we understand. It's something that is with, within the context of our humanity. We understand, and it shows us how much he loves us. Um, and finally, on that point, the entirety of the Bible is for all of us. And even if certain circumstances don't apply to your current life circumstances, God still wants your eyes on his words around this, your mind to consider what it means for you, and for your heart to submit to what he has for you in this area. Okay. Can we all, are we all okay with all of that? All right, let's go. Um, Ephesians 5, 20 through 32 in the NKJV. I'm just going to read a portion of it to begin. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So we're going to stop for a second there and just pause. Submit to your husband as to the Lord. How do you talk to your spouse? How do the people that you know speak to their spouses? Um, would you talk to the Lord that way? Submit as to the Lord. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, this is wildly convicting. (laughs) Um, And it's okay for it to feel that way. I think that's a good place for us to sit. It continues on, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might be present to her in a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to 
ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife himself. Okay, that's a lot, so we're going to keep going through it. But in contrast to the command given to wives, love is the command for the husband. But it's not just this touchy-feely love, right? It's love as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And that makes me feel a little free because I feel like I just have to kind of try to align with someone else's decisions. I don't have to die to self. I do have to die to self, but not physically. He's giving this example and command. That to me was a little bit of a breaking point and a help. And I hope it is to you too, because that actually is the easier side of this equation. Submission to the husband produces love from the husband, and love from the husband produces submission from the wife. So we don't control the other person, but we can influence the other person through our actions towards them. The passage continues, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the context for submission not only exists within marriage relationships, but family relationships. Guess it gets better. Buckle up. Um, It's also in the workplace. It's in pretty much every area of your life. There are places we have to submit across every area that we engage in. And you may not realize it, but you actually might already be pretty practiced and good at this. So that, I hope, can also be an encouragement. Christian relationships, specifically of any kind, ought to contain an aspect of mutual submissiveness. If you put it a little simply, we don't need to do things our way all the time. I know, we might need a minute for that one. I did. I needed a couple months. Um, Let's be honest, it's not easy to let go of what we want, right? Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And commands to virtues and ideals in the Bible are usually um, and often lauded even by those outside of the church. So think about honesty. Generally, people believe that's a good thing. Commitment, faithfulness, being peaceable, loving, being kind, and so on. So we see a lot of things in the Bible across culture are, are cheered on, right? Like, yes, we should do that. And then we get to other parts that we don't like so much when we decide we're going to just set those aside. So we hear the words before, and our reaction is that those are good things. They feel good when we hear them. And the only time we get a pit in our stomach when hearing them is when conviction hits and we know we're out of line somewhere. So imagine you just told a white lie at work. It could be something as simple as... um, I really have to get home early, my child is sick, or why you couldn't get that report in, or I'm gonna, this one could be convicting for many of us. I just forgot to hit send. Did you forget? Maybe. While you agree, um, oh, sorry, but imagine, so we told the white lie, then we're heading to Bible study. Isn't that fun how God does that for us? Um, When you get to Bible study, you find that the teaching is on honesty. Also great. So while you agree that honesty is right and good, you don't feel so good considering what you need to reconcile. And if you are like most people in our culture, the word submission might bring a subtle but present defiant pit in your stomach. And it's okay if that's where you are now, but we're going to try to use God's word to get us out of here as fast as possible. Um, So think back to that white lie and Bible study scenario. The pit in your stomach rises where conviction is necessary to let us know we're out of line. So let's hear that word again, submission. 
I'm just going to let that sit with you for a second. Did you have a, visceral, a visceral reaction or something in your gut or your heart that just said, this teaching's not for me? This part of the Bible is not for me. Last week, Kristen called it a scratchy feeling. And I really love that because the picture I got when she said that was like a scouring pad that you use in the kitchen that's meant to push off the things that are hardest for us to push away and really take a lot of effort. You're going to need that elbow grease. It's going to hurt your arm later. You might, if you are um, like me, sometimes feel it in the morning and wonder, why am I sore from scrubbing my dishes? But it's because it takes so much effort because it's a hard one to rub off, right? So that scratchy feeling, did that happen when you hear the word submission? When you read it in the notebook, did you feel like you maybe didn't particularly want to sit in on this teaching? Uh, Could it be that we feel the way we do upon hearing the word submission because we live in a constant state of rebellion and that we need to be scrubbed clean of it? Rebellion is opposition to one in authority. And while we're going to talk through human examples of that and what we live our daily lives out, rebellion ultimately, when, it's, when you feel that, is opposition to God's authority because he's got a structure that he's laid out for us. First Samuel 12, 15, However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your father's. So we're going to, like, think about the story of the prodigal son. So if you've not read that part of the Bible before, it's in Luke chapter 15. So you can mark that down and take a peek at it later. But there is a son who decides he wants his inheritance now, and he wants it immediately. And he asks his father for it, which is culturally not, not how things worked. Father gives his son the inheritance, and he left in defiance of the authority that was placed over him. He decided he knew best. But the beautiful thing is this loving father was always going to welcome him home, and he did. Rebellion keeps us from God's plan for us, and I'd bet that that prodigal son, his father had a good plan for him. And we know that in healthy parental relationships, people have good plans for their kids, right? And we are in defiance of our father's plan and rebellion when we don't submit to his God-given authority. When we do submit, it keeps us aligned under his will. So honestly, sometimes his will doesn't make sense to us. I think you could easily uh, fill a hand of a number of scenarios you can think of where his will doesn't make sense to you, but it does refine us and it prunes us. Um, Doesn't always make us feel warm and fluffy, but good things can be hard too. So do you trust him? Even when he doesn't feel good or when his will doesn't feel good or it wasn't what you thought it would be, do you trust him? Um, I really think it's too bad that most of the, relation, the topic we hear about submission as discussed in the Bible relates to the context of marriage, not because that's not important, but because the problem in our culture isn't that wives don't want to be submissive to their husbands, it's that no one wants to submit to anybody. Children want to determine their own path. Employees don't like the rules that their supervisors restrict them with, and it seems that no one wants anything to do with the rules the government has for us. Um, Paul used marriage as the means to understand the relationship between Christ and the church. And while the structure for a healthy marriage is relevant to many in the room, we get distracted when our larger pur- with the larger purpose of this passage when our ears hear the word submission and marriage and allow our hearts to close to what God has for us in this because we've decided we're outside of the category to whom the writer meant. 
the world's message is that submission is no longer necessary um, or it somehow diminishes you. It doesn't. You can't supersede kingdom culture. God intended us to live this way and we live in the world, not of the world. So submission as God intended it needs to be a welcome instruction. Now, um, I would bet that if I had said that at the beginning, how many of you were excited to be convicted about submission? I don't know if I would have raised my hand. Um, a few weeks ago, though, we learned about the armor of God, and I just find it so interesting that Paul spoke heavily about submission before getting into the armor of God. Could it be that we are not to be armed with all that God has for us without a heart submitted to his will and the authority that he's placed under, us under? Emily also pointed out that before he lists the pieces of the armor, Paul discusses power. And this comes after submission too. The Lord looks for a willing heart and only then do we have permission to have such power with the covering of the armor of God. So how do we submit to those that God has placed in authority over us? Um, first, you have to consider who. Who has he placed in authority over you? Please be sure to notice I did not say who may he have placed an authority over you. You have authority over you. He has placed authority. But maybe the better question is, that helps us to absorb it, is who has he allowed to have authority in various areas of your life? Ephesians 5.24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Ephesians 6, 5, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. And while that's a historically misused verse, it can be healthfully applied to our work context. Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. So really sit and think about those who have authority over you. Um, when I think about mine, beyond my husband, it would be my pastors in my upline here at church, including Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca, the state government, the federal government, um, housing associations, just even the little things, right? So you might be under the authority of a landlord, a volunteer team leader, a serve leader here at church, and you might fancy yourself a little Miss Independent. I sure do making decisions all by yourself, all on your own, however you choose, but in reality, you actually submit to authority all the time. So the good news is, as I said before, it means you're practiced at it, and it may not be as hard as we think, but now we get to, instead of pushing back on it, make it a welcome part where we know that this is good for us and will do good things for us. So let's imagine one way, though all the ways, one woman, and let's just imagine it's you, might submit to various levels of authority in just one week. On Sunday, you submitted to your serve team leader when you showed up at the team rally before service. On Monday, you submitted to your landlord when you paid your rent on time. On Tuesday, you submitted to the city government when you drove on the right side of the road, amen, and obeyed stoplights most of the time on your way here. On Wednesday, you submitted to your supervisor at work when you submitted your weekly report. On Thursday, you submitted to your neighborhood association president and made sure to shovel the sidewalks. I'm so thankful that that does not apply to us today. In the first 24 hours after the snow hit. Praise the Lord for good weather. <laughs> on Friday, you submitted to the state government by renewing your license plate tabs. And on Saturday, you submitted to the vision of our church leadership by participating in a Serve Your Community event. So do you see how you're doing it all the time anyway? 
hopefully that starts to work in like it's really not as hard as we make it. We just pick and choose where we want it to feel hard and where we decide that it's easy. Romans 3, 1 through 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. When someone tries to assert their authority over you, whether or not it's theirs to claim, is your natural inclination something closer to compliance or you're not the boss of me? I'm over here. (laughs) Um, I'll be really honest. I really do naturally fall into that latter camp. Um, It really doesn't matter who it is or if they have a right to tell me what to do. My independent nature flares up and something in me wants to run the other direction. So even if this is where I want to go, if someone says, let's go this way, Beth, can't tell me what to do. I'm the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. It is not something to be proud of. Um, It's the role of the Holy Spirit to equip us as we deny our fleshly response. So even if that, that's such a silly example, but when you have authority telling you to do something you really don't want to do, the Holy Spirit is there to equip you. You just got to ask him for help. He is our helper and he will help you. And the more that you practice it, the easier it gets. So um, I've always been an independent person. Uh, My mom said I started dressing myself before I was two. And once when I was sick overnight at age four, I was sick. I managed myself. I took care of myself, got all cleaned up, went and reported what had happened, and went back to bed. (laughs) So I'm telling you, I don't need anybody. (laughs) Uh, When I got engaged, um, my mom actually told me that it felt like such a big deal that I would allow anyone to participate in the decisions of my life. Because her view of my life allowed her to see that I didn't particularly enjoy being told what to do pretty much ever, nor did I have a desire for collaboration or compromise. I'm a gem, you guys. Um, As we record this, as of yesterday, I've been married for 19 years, and I can tell you with heavy sarcasm over this, great pride, that my husband and I have been enjoying a decent partnership and decisions for close to five years now. I mean, it's a little funny, but it's really not something that to be proud of. Like, I, wanna, I want this to be comfortable and fun for y'all, but think about that 19 years minus five is 14, that it could have been easier. And that's not all me, right? Relationships go two ways, but there is part of that that's me. Um, and I couldn't honestly tell you when the shift began exactly, uh, and to be very clear, I'm very much on the journey. Five years is not a lot of practice. Um, But I can recall that there was a greater ease to submission for me in 2020, of all the years. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be really honest with you, though. I think that for some of you, this example might rub you the wrong way. And it might even make you frustrated that I've made, that I made these decisions. But understand, please, that this is a real story of me learning submission in my marriage. And it's what God used to teach me. So don't get distracted by the topic that you missed the fruit that I gained here, okay? So in March of 2020, when everything started to shut down, um, I remember just this unsettling, I think we all had that, but I remember feeling this very firm and private decision, I didn't even speak it out loud, that for no matter what happened, unity in our house was gonna prevail over everything else. And And I knew in that moment that that meant submitting to my husband's way of doing things rather than my own. So it must have been the Holy Spirit. 
Um, so when rules and guidelines came out, he desired to submit to the authority that we had been placed under, and so we followed every last guideline that wasn't against our beliefs. So masks and distance in public, that was it. And in the first few weeks, as our neighbors gathered on the driveways, our kids weren't just jealous. They were leaning against the glass wondering what's happening and why don't we get to be a part of it. Um, so through the weeks and months, my submission to my husband and our children's submission to the two of us, whether they wanted to be doing it or not, it actually led to a lot of really sweet family time. And had I determined to dig my heels in in the opposite direction of my husband, um, I would have been so focused on bucking the authority that God placed and allowed over me that within our home, we would have spent a lot more time fighting and arguing and being at odds and focused on that rather than all of the really sweet family time we got together. Um, I loved having our kids so close under my wings. Not going to lie. Letting go was a little hard. Um, but I'm so thankful that I didn't do things my way. And it actually brought a little bit of a strange comfort that I didn't expect to allow someone else to lead, someone else to make those decisions, um, even if maybe I would have chosen differently. Psalm 119, 159, see how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, Lord, in accordance with your love. And isn't God so good to us that even in the things we really don't want to do or be obedient to, he brings us sweet moments and gifts within those. Submitting your heart to God's authority. So this is where all of this goes. And I really think he gives us all these human opportunities to submit because he wants us to have a posture of submission to him always. This is our practice ground, right? And once we get this right, submitting to authority really um, on the in our human authority feels like no problem. Um, he expects this of us as his followers. James 4 Six through seven, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So I think when it comes down to it, submission, lack of submission to the authority God has allowed in your life really is us not trusting him. And that statement made me stop in my tracks when I really thought about it. Do I really trust God to have my best in mind, even if he's asking me to submit to authority that I don't agree with? I should, but when I think about those words, I'm not sure that I often do. Remember what Romans said? There's no authority except from God. So not one ruler in history has ever, ever ruled without God having, allowing, having allowed him or her to do so. Not one and that is really hard for us to grasp. But our trust in our good and faithful God requires us to exercise our faith by submitting to the, the authority that he's allowed. Unity, which we covered in this semester and in the past because it is so important, is vital to the church and our ability to move the kingdom forward. So consider our own church structure. We have Pastor Rob as the lead authority of our church. Um, and one direction, we have Pastor Kirk under his authority. And each campus pastor under Pastor Kirk's authority with additional pastors under their authority. And then we get to serve teams, right? It just keeps going. Each level though, is still under Pastor Rob's authority and any others above their own. So can you see why unity matters and what happens when we get out of joint? Just imagine if all we focused on was bucking authority, could we do anything that we accomplish? We couldn't. 
In order to submit to God's heart for ourselves, we also have to keep his heart for our church top of mind, for his church top of mind. Are you willing to put aside your own desires if for no other reason than for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ? This mission is always, always going to be hard for us. Even those that it comes a little bit more naturally to, it will still have, we'll still have times that it's difficult and push back on. Um, and not because current culture doesn't emphasize it, but because we're human. And that's problematic in itself. But we serve a God who modeled this for us. Jesus understands all too well what it feels like to have a real desire for circumstances to change and yet still submitted to the Father's authority. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. As he faced death on a cross, Jesus gave up his own will to submit to the Father's plan, to allow his own desires to be put to side, just to be in unity with his Father for the sake of his glory and the purposes he had for us. But the Father didn't just take his yes. He gave him everything he needed to complete the task. We, this one's not in your notebook, but Philippians 2, 3 through 8 I'm going to read the full thing. This hit my heart earlier today. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was God. He was God but he didn't think that that was something that he needed to hang on to. He released it and submitted it. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There are countless examples of submission throughout the Bible that we can look to, um, But consider the disciples, their willingness to submit to the will of the Father is the reason we can stand and gather as a church today. So submission is much bigger than our own lives and impacts others and potentially generations to come. God will ensure that you have everything you need to complete the task that he's asked you to do under the authority he's asked you to submit to. He will. So we're going to look at that definition again. Biblical submission is taking your divinely ordered place in a relationship. And I would add, whether you think that's the way it should be or not. Submission cannot be required by one human or another. Of another can only be given on the basis of trust. And that is to believe God's word and be willing to grow in relationships for his glory. So it might feel that submission to authority will never come easy to any of us. But it can have an ease and a peace to it, to the process, as we remember we serve a God who has our very best in mind. So the more we practice submission, truly, the easier it gets. I'm telling you from someone who never thought she could say things like that, it gets easier. It's a muscle you can exercise, and not just in spite of our having to do things we prefer not to, but probably because of it. So let's sit with that one for a minute. Submission is a fruit of trust. And when I trust, I submit. Even when I can't see through his circumstances, through the circumstances I'm in. His plans are always good. And he always has our best interests at heart. And the ease comes when we release our own plans. So just kind of hold your hand out and like grip it really tight. Do you ever grip your hands so tight you see your fingernails on the palm? I think that's how tightly we hold our own desires. And he's just asking you to open them, open their hand 
And he may not even take out what you have to offer. He may allow you to keep it. But if he takes it, what he gives back is going to be so much better. Let me just pray over us. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Uh, Even when it's hard and even when it's not what our human hearts can completely comprehend. So God, I ask that you make it clear to us what you have for us, what our next step is in submission, what our first step can be. Um, God, I ask that you show us where we may be out of line in this area, each one of our hearts. God, I ask that you show that to me for every woman in this room and just allow us to sit with your word. God, allow us to go back to your word as our guide. Thank you for giving it to us and not leaving us alone. In your name, amen.